I wonder if you've ever had an experience where someone has just massively overreacted to something you've done. Um, Maybe it was a mate, Uh, you did something a little small and irritating, like flicked them in the back of the ear, and they've just turned around and clocked you one right in the face. That happened to me at school once. It was a massive overreaction, at least I thought, anyway. Maybe... Maybe you've uh, seen someone overreact or something. Maybe uh, you scared your dog or cat and they've had a massive overreaction like this one. (laughs) It's just a toaster. Massive overreaction. Actually, I was at Hoyt's the other day uh, watching the Avengers Infinity War with with my mate. Um, He was just way too into it, a bit like Jamie maybe. No, <laughs> I say that as a good thing. I say that as a good thing. Every, everyone loves Infinity War. Um, but he, he was pretty into it. <laughs> and there were some guys up the back of the, up the, back of the cinema. Um, they were probably in, I don't know, maybe year seven or year eight. Um, and they were talking during the movie. Now, they, they weren't talking all that loud, but my mate next to me, he got really annoyed at him. He gets up. He turns around and he just yells out, if you don't want to watch the movie, then you should just get out. Oh man, I just like shrunk in my seat next to him and I, I don't want anyone to see me right now. He, had, he was just massively overreacting to the situation. But I wonder if um, you've ever thought that maybe someone else, maybe like your parents have overreacted to something you've done. Uh, maybe you hung out at a party for too long uh, or longer than you said you would uh, and when you come home late at night you just cop it and maybe they've overreacted, maybe. Or maybe, you've had, maybe they've had a bit of a rough day themselves and you just happen, you happen to have forgotten to do something that you'd said you'd do and their frustration at something else is taken out on you. Sometimes you can cop the brunt of an overreaction from someone else. You know, as we've been working our way through 1 Corinthians, um, we've been doing that this term, I've actually wondered a similar thing about Paul. I've I've been wondering, is Paul an overreactor? You see, the book of Corinthians is written as a reaction to some things that are happening at the church in Corinth. And some of the stuff that Paul says here is pretty severe. And it's made me wonder, and maybe you have too, is Paul overreacting? You see, Paul's been addressing one big issue in the book of Corinthians. The Corinthians, are, they're a group of Christians at a place called Corinth, and they have a problem. They have a problem with boasting. So you check out the verse we just read in chapter 3 there. Uh, it's chapter 3, verse 21. It says, So then... See, Paul's Paul's come to the end of an argument here. It's like he's been writing an essay like you do in English and he's reached the conclusion of the first big point. He says, So then, no more boasting about human leaders. There it is, plain and clear. The Corinthians had a problem with boasting and Paul's had enough of it. He wants no more boasting. But what are they boasting about? Well, What the Corinthians were boasting about is is there in verse 21 as well. The Corinthians were boasting about human leaders. The church at Corinth, they were divided and they weren't united and, and it was because they were caught up 
in following particular leaders and particular teachers. Some were saying, I follow Paul. Paul's my guy. Paul's where it's at. When Paul preaches, he just gets straight to the point and I'm a straight to the point kind of guy, so I like Paul. Some were saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm not too keen on that Paul guy because there's this other guy, Apollos, and he's, he's, better, he's better to listen to. When I come to church, he's the one who makes me excited by what I hear. Some people were saying, well, actually, I've heard of this other guy down at Jerusalem, this guy called Kephas. He's talking about some stuff I've never heard about or thought about before. I want to follow that guy. See, the Corinthians, they were divided by which leaders they followed. And they boasted about it. Following particular leaders gave them this sense of importance. Uh, Some of them might say, yeah, I'm in the Paul crew or I'm an Apollos fanboy. Who they followed gave them a sense of significance and importance. They had a problem with boasting. Actually, check out, flip over to chapter 4, verse 7. Now, we'll come to this next week, so I'm not going to spend much time here at all. But this verse shows us more of the Corinthians' problem with boasting. Paul's just told them that he doesn't want them to be puffed up by following one leader instead of another. He doesn't want them to be proud of following him instead of Apollos or Cephas. And then in verse 7 of chapter 4, he says, For what makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? See, the Corinthians are boasting because of which leader they follow. And they think they're more important because of it. But they didn't just boast about certain leaders they followed. They actually boasted more of themselves than they should have as well. You might remember from chapter 1, flip back to chapter 1, Geordie took us through this a few weeks ago and he, Paul tells them that they're the Neville Longbottoms. Remember that? Read from, with me in chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. In other words, think of what you were when God saved you. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things and the things that are not, to nullify or to make nothing the things that are. Why does God do all this? Why does God choose the Neville Longbottoms of this world? So that no one can boast before Him. That's what Paul says. But the Corinthians, they weren't on the same page as Paul here. They didn't see themselves as the Neville Longbottoms. In their eyes, they were, the, they were Harry or Ron or Hermione. They thought they were someone of significance because they followed and they associated with leaders that they thought were really significant. They had a problem with boasting. Now, you might be thinking, all right, I hear the Corinthians had this problem with boasting. Um, They probably wouldn't have been the funnest guys to be around, always thinking that they're better than you. But is that really such a big problem? Is Paul overreacting by having a go at them boasting? 
I think that's a good question. And that's the question that God is going to answer for us tonight in this passage. Is a bit of boasting really such a big deal? Does it really matter if the Corinthians are a bit puffed up? Or is Paul overreacting here? Tonight we're going to see that absolutely it's a big deal. This kind of boasting, it is 100% worth Paul's reaction to it. It's not an overreaction at all. We're going to see two big reasons why that's the case. But before we dig into it and see that, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, once again this week we can open it together here uh, and hear you speak. And we pray that as we do that tonight, uh, you'll be showing us the problem with boasting, um, boasting in people and and leaders. And we pray that you'll be uh, changing the way we live in response to it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the Corinthians have this big problem with boasting and we're going to see why that's actually a big problem. Paul's not overreacting. Why? Well, firstly, boasting in men, so boasting in people, in leaders, in ourselves, is a big problem because boasting robs God. What do I mean by that? Well, when the Corinthians boasted about Paul and Apollos and Cephas, God missed out. He was robbed. A couple of years ago, I, was, um, I went on this five-day hiking trip with my, uh, some of my siblings and we trekked through some of the most beautiful uh, places in New Zealand for five days. But because it was five days long, uh, it was a decent amount of time, we had to take everything we'd need in, the, in our backpacks for the five days. And so you had to fit your clothes, you had to fit your tent, you had to fit pots and pans, all your food into your backpacks. And so you really have to ration the sort of stuff that you can take. We wore the same clothes for like the whole five days and we stunk at the end of it. But you also have to um, take only the food that you'll need. Um, But when I go trekking, I love going on, uh, doing some treks. But when I go, I always like to take a bit of extra um, like luxury food. So I take some Kit Kats and like every spare pocket in my bag, I try to squeeze Kit Kats, that sort of thing. I take an extra roll of toilet paper as well. That's a bit of luxury. But this time when we went trekking, um, we all did that. So my brother, my two sisters, we all did it. We tried to like, fit some extra stuff in our bags. And my brother, we'd literally been walking an hour and he gets out his first Kit Kat. Five days, he's got like 10 Kit Kats. He gets out his first one in the first hour and he churned through them in like two days. Anyway, it came to the, the last day and I was, I'd saved mine. I had one left. And on that last day, I was going through my bag and trying to find this last Kit Kat, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And my brother just gets this smile on his face and he turns his pocket like out like that and out drops this red Kit Kat wrapper and he's stolen my last Kit Kat. I was so mad. I was furious. There was nothing I could have done that would have been an overreaction in my mind at that time. But you see, when someone robs you or steals something from you, um, that's exactly what happens. You miss out. They take from you what is rightfully yours. And that's exactly what the Corinthians boasting did. Because boasting, it robs God. Check out verse 5. Verse 5 of chapter 3. 
Paul says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. What's Paul saying there? He's saying that he and Apollos aren't actually all that big a deal. Notice the word he uses to describe what they do. They're servants. Paul considers himself as someone whose role it was to serve the church at Corinth. Like a waiter bringing you a drink or a meal uh, if you go to a restaurant. That was Paul and Apollos' role, to serve the church by bringing them the message of Jesus. But read on with me. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Paul uses a picture here to explain what uh, he wants the Corinthians to understand, and it's a gardening picture. Who's ever planted something before? Maybe you did it in agriculture at school or in in your backyard. When I was a kid, probably about, I I don't know, maybe six, I really wanted to plant a watermelon plant. I love watermelons, and so I wanted this watermelon plant. And so it made sense to me that if I ate a watermelon and kept the seeds and then planted them in my backyard, then I'd get a watermelon plant. And that's what I did. Uh, Like, I ate a watermelon one time, I kept some seeds, and I planted them in my backyard. But my mum was, like, trying to um, make sure I wasn't too disappointed, so she told me, oh, look, it probably won't grow. These seeds aren't the kind of seeds that will grow, but if they don't, we'll go to the nursery, we'll buy some more. But every day, I went out into the back garden, and I watered my watermelon seeds. And a month later... Up from the ground comes this little green shoot. And like a little while after that, we had these deformed-looking watermelons. Man, they were messed up. Now, I planted those seeds. I collected them from that watermelon. I watered them every day. But did I make them grow? Was I actually the power and the force behind those seeds germinating? There's a sciencey word for you. It means like a seed becoming a shoot. Nah, I wasn't the power behind that at all. That's something I could never have done. God was actually the one who made my watermelon seeds grow. And that's exactly the picture that Paul wants the Corinthians to see here. Read verse 7 with me. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Paul and Apollos, they're nothing compared to the awesomeness of God. God is the one who takes watermelon seeds like you and me. That's what Paul's getting at with this image. God's the one who takes watermelon seeds like you and me, people who are dead and don't care to acknowledge him at all, and he makes them alive. The watermelon seeds germinate and out comes this watermelon plant. See, Paul's using this gardening picture to describe the work of Christian leaders compared to God. Paul and Apollos can't make anyone believe the gospel message. They can't make anyone change and grow. They, can't plant, they can plant seeds and they can water them, but the fruit, the good that comes in people's lives... It's a gracious gift from God alone. 
if Paul or Apollos disappeared, the world wouldn't come to an end. The ministry they did would keep going on because it's God who's at work. He's the one giving the growth. He's the one we should be thankful for. He's the one we should boast in. Do you see that in those verses? Do you see why Paul's reacting so strongly to the Corinthians boasting? They're boasting in the wrong thing. They're robbing God by doing it. You see, the biggest problem with boasting is that that it turns people's attention away from God. We become blind to how awesome and powerful God is, the God who germinates watermelon seeds. We praise and admire the person holding the watering can instead. See, like the Corinthians needed to do, we need to turn our attention back to God. We need to turn our attention back to the one who's actually powerful. So I wonder how you think about your leaders. Now, now God's raised up a bunch of awesome leaders for us here at EV Youth, or maybe we should use the word servants like Paul does. But how do you actually think about them? Do you think more of them than you should? Sometimes the way we talk about G-teams could be a bit unhelpful here, uh, although we do it because it's a good way of organising things for us. But sometimes we refer to a group of you guys as Caitlin's girls or Will and Bacon's guys. You (laughs) You don't belong to your leaders though. You belong to God. He's the one who brought you to life by saving you in Jesus. That's something that Caitlin or Will or Bacon, they can never do that. If you've trusted in Jesus, then you belong to God. And so don't rob him of the glory he deserves by thinking more of your leaders than you should. Especially because you won't always have those leaders forever. For whatever reason, that leader might stop leading you Um, they might have to move away or lead somewhere else. If that happens, we don't have to be devastated. Absolutely, we can feel the pain of that. But ultimately, you're God's. And if you're looking to Jesus, then He's always going to keep doing His work of growing you. But how, how else should this passage change the way we think and act towards our leaders? We should want to direct our thanks in the right direction. I wonder if you, you ever do thank your leaders for what they do for you in serving you. And like we thank a waiter when they give us something and they bring it to our table, it's natural for us to want to thank our leaders for what they're doing in serving us. But how often do you thank God? How often do you give Him credit for what He's done for you? This passage should make us want to get on our knees and thank God deeply for what He's done for us. See, the Corinthians were getting excited about the watering guy with the watering can and they were missing the mark completely. They had a problem with boasting and it was really a problem because boasting robs God. But Paul says it's also a problem for another reason. Now, I think this is a smaller reason than the first one, but a big one nonetheless. The biggest reason that boasting is a problem is that it robs God of what is rightfully His. But another reason why boasting is a problem is that boasting robs us. Now, we see this right at the end of chapter 3, in verse 21, 
Uh, But let me give you a brief summary of what happens in the verses in between there, because Paul covers so much in this chapter. Uh, Paul's just given them this picture of gardening. It's God's garden, God's field. Paul and Apollos are nobodies in compared to God. Then he gives them this second picture, and it's another way for the Corinthians to think about the church. The church is God's field, but it's also God's building. And leaders in God's building need to be careful how they build. They need to make sure they're building only on the foundation of Jesus. They need to make sure that he's at the centre of everything that's happening in their church. There's some big things for us to learn in these verses, but we we don't have time to cover everything tonight. So we're going to skip ahead to verse 21. And remember, we're going to see the second problem with the Corinthians boasting. And that it's boasting robs us. Read with me in verse 21. So then, here's Paul's conclusion to what he's just said. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. But why? All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. Do you see what Paul's saying there? He's saying, your boasting about particular leaders who you're following, it's absolutely crazy because you're limiting yourselves. You can have Paul. You can have Apollos as well. You can have Cephas. Why just follow and listen to one of these leaders? See, they don't realize that these, all of these leaders and teachers are theirs. God has given them all to serve them, each with their different gifts, each with their different styles, each with their different characters. God has given them Paul and Paulus and Cephas to serve him. And as long as any teacher is building on that foundation of Jesus, that's why verses 10 to 15 are really important, as long as any teacher is building on that foundation of Jesus, then lap it up. That's what Paul's saying to the Corinthians. It actually reminds me of this Mexican ad. Uh, you probably remember it, the old El Paso ad. How do you decide, decide between hard and soft tacos? You don't need to, you can have them both. Why be divided over which leader you prefer? Why boast about which leader you follow when you can follow them both? God has given them to you as your servants. God has given them to you to feed you His Word and grow you. See, boasting robs us of what God has given us for our good. Now, that old El Paso ad doesn't quite grasp everything that Paul's saying here. Paul's not just saying, why don't have them both? Why don't have Paul and Apollos? Paul's actually saying, you can have both and more. Paul says that all things are yours. Not just leaders like Paul and Apollos, but all things. He goes on to say the world. That's pretty comprehensive. Life and death. That's pretty comprehensive. The present and the future, that includes a fair bit. All things are yours. Why does he say that? Well, in verse 23, he says, All things are yours. You are of Christ, and Christ is of God. You see, Christian has everything in Jesus. As long as we belong to Jesus, then we are the inheritors of the universe. It all belongs to us. Now, This seems pretty vague, I reckon. Everything is yours. 
But this truth, it's actually, it's so big that it's hard for Paul to get into the specifics of it. In fact, if he did go into the specifics of what he's trying to show, it would be limiting what he's trying to show. You see, that's what the Corinthians were doing. They were, they were being divided over who they were following. They were robbing themselves of everything that was on offer to them in Jesus. You see, a lot of people think that Christians are the people who miss out. And yeah, there's, there's things that I wouldn't do or don't want to do as a follower of Jesus. But this verse is telling me that actually, I'm not the one missing out. Everything is mine. I'm not the one missing out. If, if you haven't wrestled with this stuff before, if, you've, if you haven't wrestled with what's on offer for you in Jesus, what's on offer for you in trusting in Him, in having your sins forgiven because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, then you need to do that. This truth that Jesus is someone, that a Christian is someone who has everything, has hope in life, hope in death, I can die tomorrow and not miss out on a thing. I have a future with Jesus. We heard about that last week, yeah? The good place. But what else? There's so much that these verses should do for our thinking and the way we live. You see, boasting actually robs us of our security. That's the big thing that Paul's trying to show the Corinthians with all this... Um, all things are yours line. See, I think the Corinthians are actually insecure. They're actually sensing that they are the Neville Longbottoms of the world, but they're sensing it without realising it. And so they try to make themselves feel better by attaching themselves to someone else, someone they think is more important. I'm one of Paul's guys or I'm one of Apollos' crew. I wonder if you ever feel that. I reckon we do stuff like that all the time. We try to make ourselves seem bigger or better by attaching ourselves to something or someone else. Uh, maybe you're the girl who listens to the most indie music out there and you've, you name a band, you've been to their concert. Maybe you're the basketballer or the gamer. So what's your identity or what, what do you go to for your security? Maybe you're the one with the boyfriend or the girlfriend who really loves Jesus and being with them is awesome because look at what they're like. Or maybe you're the one who uh, chats with your youth leader for the longest amount of time at the end of youth, so you can be seen to be associated with them. Not that chatting with your youth leader is bad at all, but what are you going to to find your identity and security in? Do you see the sort of things we can look for, look to for identity and security? If you're seeking to find your identity and security in anything other than Jesus and everything that you have in Him, then you're robbing yourself. You're missing out. So guys, Paul's not overreacting when he hears about the Corinthians boasting. He cares so much for them and he doesn't want them to rob themselves of everything that they have in Jesus. All things are theirs in Jesus. All things are ours in Jesus if we're trusting in Him. But even more than that, Paul's not overreacting about their boasting because they're robbing God. God is the one who deserves their attention. 
God is the one who deserves their allegiance. He's the one who deserves the glory because he's the one who's done and is doing the work of growing people in his church. Paul and Apollos and anyone else we could attach ourselves to or any, anyone else or anything else we could attach ourselves to is nothing compared to our awesome God.